Resident Evil, this is the big welcome, come home party, homecoming party for Resident Evil, because it's back. It's back. It's back and it's not quite as shit as it was in the past. Yeah. It's not as shit as it was. It's, yeah. It's, it, but you know what? And I'm not one for extreme hardline opinions. You know me. Ooh. I tend to keep things fairly muted. I might go on record as saying that Resident Evil 7 is distinctly not shit. <gasps> I I'm I'm I might go as far as to agree with you and say it's not shit and it's not the worst Resident Evil by by any stretch of the imagination, I think. No. Is is no. that is that a fair thing to say, I think. Honestly, uh, me I and Gav it... were talking Oh sorry, Gav, you you take take the pew. Oh yeah, I was just I was gonna say I agree for me. I think it's the second best one in the series. That's 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 high praise. Yeah. Uh, take the pew also doesn't work as a phrase. That's for sitting down, uh, which <laughs> I'm assuming we all are sat down. I uh, should have said take the mic or something or take don't, the stand. Don't assume the anything about me, Jim. I might be stood up. I might have been waiting for you to tell me to take the pew so I could sit down and comfortably podcast. Oh, fuck, you're right. I never do, I've never told either of you to take a seat. I know, um, and, and you, you know, politeness, politeness dictates that you don't sit down until you're told to. So That's I have recorded true. 114 episodes of this show, or however many of them I was actually on, because I know I wasn't on all of them, standing up. And that's uh, just because you were a rude host, Jim. Dem calves, though. How yeah, them calves I, look, though? Uh, I am, my body is 90% calf at this point. Oh, that's awesome. I, 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 I like a girl who, who I could, like, crack a walnut beto- like, behind their knees. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's my favourite type of person. Well, I'm glad to know that your immediate rudeness and never offering for me to sit down during the podcast has now led to me being your favourite kind of girl. Yes, that's so. So really, it's all worked out. And, and Gav, of course, um, honestly, my favourite kind of um, Ireland's most popular indie <laughs> musician is one who can crack a walnut behind his knees. Um, welcome to Pod Position, everyone. I'm Jim Sterling. I'm joined by the hard carved Laura. Hello. Hello, I'm here. I'm finally sitting down, and it feels good to podcast sat good. down. That must be good. Get some good lumbar support going. Although, technically, stood up is, is better for your back. That's why they do them standing desks. And I'm joined by Gavin as well. Hello, Gav. Hello. Hello. Yes, I was talking to Gav before the show, before we started recording, uh, yeah. and I do. I, I will go as far as to say this is the most fun I've had with the Resident Evil since four. Mm. Um, I, you know, I will oh, agree with you. Yeah, I'll agree with you. It yeah. is, it is very, very different to four, and I like it for incredibly different reasons to four. But it is, I'm not like there is no question. I enjoy this more more than five and six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. Five was five was okay. Um, retrospectively, people look back on it more fondly, uh, especially for the Wesker stuff. It had some mm. good good moments, but most of it was forgettable for me. I didn't find it particularly entertaining outside of Wesker. Uh, mm. Six, I mean, my thoughts on six are well documented by now. I thought it was absolute dog shit. I I felt like Michael Bay took a dump on a DVD cover of Night of the Living Dead, and that was our game. It was awful. It was awful. Uh, and the the ones in between, uh, the first Revelations, I, I thought was great, on mm. DS. Uh, when it went to Wii, I thought it was 
I, it didn't translate well. Yeah. Re- Revelations two, I thought was mediocre at best. So I've I've really not enjoyed and, and Umbrella Corp. <laughs> uh, the less said about that one, the better. So this is the first time since four I've played Resident Evil and found myself struggling to put it down. The there... flow and the pacing of this is so good. I didn't want to stop and cut. Cut it in the middle of a good beat. They're so different as to almost be incomparable. Really, I mean. It's apples and oranges, isn't it? It's such a, it's a different style of game completely. It's a different well the interesting thing is it's it's certainly different from 4, although there are elements of 4. Yeah. Uh, I would say that even though you don't stand completely still when shooting, you are moving so slow that mm. that, that tension of I've got to stop and shoot is still there. Yeah. Uh, so they've kept that you've got the little the everywhere men, the little uh, bobbleheads uh, who you that you shoot a bit like the blue medals. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's got some l- very light upgrading and mercantile stuff. Mm-hmm. Very light uh, to f- for those knots. And then you've got stuff that I feel is so traditional, it like so ingrained in Resident Evil, that the first person perspective feels almost like a trick. Almost mm-hmm. like like it's a like it's tricking you into thinking, yeah, we're copying Outlast, and you start playing it. And I'm like, well, shit. The the <laughs> Baker Estate might mm. as well have been designed and and you know i guess technically it was but in universe it may as well have been done by the same architects of the spencer mansion like it's so they they use space mm. beautifully which is something and the the nostal- the um the nostalgic callbacks in it are quite subtly done very like the, subtly um, done the double staircase in the main room is is nice it's it's certainly um, an obvious callback, but it's it's different enough that it doesn't feel like nostalgic yeah. pandering. Yeah. Well, it's like it's like what if the people who made the Spencer Mansion made uh, a, a relatively large but still quite ramshackle house in Louisiana, and yeah. and, and that's mm. what it is. It's 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 the Spencer Mansion by way of a Louisiana homestead, <laughs> and it, it does works somewhat. Really well. I mean, it does somewhat um, negate the whole. Uh, feeling of not being able to escape though when you look at a wall that looks like you could probably just kick it gently and it would fall apart <laughs> that's true yeah I, mean, I I will say that the game's atmosphere was good enough that I didn't think about that too much while playing there was yeah. one or two bits where I'm like I, I, I could just smash this it's, and walk I can, away I can, I, can, I can see where I'm trying to get to why won't you just let me kick that wall in and, and go there, through there was and because it and it because it's a Resident Evil game we're used to this kind of stuff with it like there was one moment where the obstacle bl- barring my way was a three foot high I oh, think it was a yes. three foot high cupboard and it's like and my character was like oh no yeah, I have are, to go around for ten minutes instead of coming over there are bits where this. you've got to <laughs> really suspend your disbelief but for, mm. for the most part it works well uh, I've I certainly have criticisms of mm. of the game uh, well, I well don't the like biggest the, the biggest yeah, criticism sorry. they they got rid of the Resident Evil <laughs> that's true at the beginning that's true there is no Resident Evil. Seven! Seven! <laughs> uh, there is none of that, which is a shame. I think they could have, they should have at least got like one of, like a different baker to do it at random. Yeah, but you know how some awesome. games have that with like a random character quote? Should have had that. Resident Evil 7 with one of, you know, Lucas or, or Jack or Marguerite. Mm. Um, that would have been fun. Uh, mm. But yeah, that's a shame. But there, there are other things. Uh, combat definitely is. A little wonky. It works well for the most part, but I, I and again, I was talking to to Gav about this. I feel like the 
the, the protagonist moves just a bit too slow. Not mm. too too slow, just a just a touch you, too slow. And the you know aiming what? is is a bit naff, for, at least for me. I've I found, especially with the it pistol, takes to get used to. trying to mm, hit yeah. those things in the head was just a pain in the yeah. arse. You you know what this ended up reminding me of, and I didn't think this would be the comparison I'd make going in. It reminds me an awful lot of of like a new 3D version of the tank controls from the original Resident Evil in that the controls are just slow enough and just wonky enough that you always feel slightly scrambling in encounters yeah. with things well, that you I, have to kill. I think some people are going to see it as a plus and I've seen people make arguments for it as a plus. But me mm. personally, I feel like my horror doesn't need to inconvenience me. I, no. I take player I, convenience yeah. very seriously. But I, I, I agree with you there, but what I'll say is, given the two options, I would rather have this set of control issues than the tank control set of issues. And if well, it's that's a, true. Oh, yeah. like, if, it's, if it's a deliberate choice in order to make you feel like you're having to be more frantic and like, oh, I'm not quite in control of, of my shooting... I would rather this solution to the old solution of the tank controls. It's like, I'd rather have a punch in the arm than a kick in the nuts. Well, no, because at least, like, I can see how this could be argued as a a design decision. And of the two arguable design decisions, I prefer this one. Turning off the the head bob actually made a big difference for me. The game just... Mm. It's something about that stumbling camera makes the character feel slower to me. So that that made a big difference for me. It did feel very, very sluggish mm. but at first i thought it was weapon dependent i'm like because it felt faster with the knife but i think it's purely in the animations when running and something about that knife just makes the animation look a bit faster uh, <laughs> so i i had that on as default I, the knife the whole time and i'd switch into guns when i needed to do something you know actually I ha- worthwhile i have to say for me the combat is the one part the only part of the game that i really kind of have a few problems the, with like like the there's combat. times where you're you're fighting one of the family and you don't really know if you're doing the right thing because there's no feedback to tell you if you are yeah i would agree with that i think the combat annoyed me more in the beginning of the game and as i went through i definitely got to grips with it mm. by the <laughs> end it was an, it was no longer a thing that i really thought about by the definitely. end of the game yeah. but there was definitely yeah. a few hours at the beginning where i was consciously aware of the combat i think the yeah, game meets you halfway as well I think yeah. the game meets you halfway because as you get more used to it, it feels to me like the game eases up as well. Like once yeah, you get got... past that first boss fight, the other ones, they've got some challenge to them, but you, I certainly felt like I was more capable and that they were, their patterns and behaviours were a lot more suited to the style of gameplay. The first main proper boss doesn't feel... Oh. It doesn't feel like it belongs in a game with those mechanics. It I feels died. like that is for someone who can dodge and duck and weave. I died to that first boss more times than I died to any boss in Dark Souls 3 last year. <laughs> I just couldn't figure yes. out how to do it. It was just, it felt like the tools they gave me for the job just didn't seem to work for the job. And uh, there, was, yeah, but there was a thing I wasn't doing that the game didn't explicitly tell me I could do as well, so... Mm-hmm. Communication is another issue. The, the yeah. second boss, I didn't realise, because up until then I'd been trained to avoid, mm. uh, and unless specifically put into a, a very small room and and explicitly told like you're you're fighting this this thing. Mm. Uh, whereas the the second one, I was wasn't sure for a while whether I was to run or fight, and it wasn't until I checked my inventory and in your inventory, 
in the corner of the screen, in very small text, are actual objectives, which you won't see unless you're either looking that way when you're supposed to be looking at your inventory, or you save the game, uh, because save files have the objective there. So it took me a while, and I was like, oh, so I am to stand and fight. There isn't a way out of this place, is there? Uh, And then then I did the thing. Uh, So, yeah, there's that. I also don't like the blood splotches on the screen staying there. Oh, that's so annoying. That should happen like when you're proper near death or otherwise, you know, you've got that wristwatch, like make players use it uh, to check their health. It's so Um, annoying. And there's an option to turn it down, but I really wish there was an option to turn it just off. Mm -hmm. Mm. I turned it down and I'm like, I still, I don't see much of an appreciable difference. This is still annoying the piss out of me. Um, That. Oh yeah. I was just going to say that second boss though was, was incredible. That it was, was fun, one, wasn't it? One of the best boss fights in years I've seen in a game. A lot of the, <laughs> a lot of the, the, the real proper combat, like this is where combat happens sequences, um, made me shout and swear while playing it. And then once I'd done it, looked back and thought that was an incredible time. Yeah. I, I was, I felt like I was having a terrible time, but looking back, that was actually kind of brilliant. Um, so there was that. So, but aside from the blood, the only other major, major criticism I have is outside of the bakers, the other enemies are a bit. Pfft, the moldeds mm. do not excite me. They remind no. me of the just the stuff it, that we saw in Resident Evil Revelations, where it's like we are running out of ideas to do not to zombies. Let's just throw some gunk on a vaguely humanoid shape. So we've got these poor Venom knockoffs running around, and I'm just, that's not cool. I'm like, and it was disappointing as well that shooting them in different limbs doesn't really have any effect. Well, the loading that screens was such say a staple it, of the series. Yeah, the loading screens say it does, but I, I never felt, you know, I mm. shot an arm off here and there, and, and I've had them crawling on the floor, but it's not as immediately it, tactile it's, as shooting It's largely, it, it doesn't feel worth the effort half the time. No. Yeah. Plus, they're not as expressive as, as, as you know, the Garnado were in, in Resi 4. So when you mm. shoot them in the knee, they're not going to grab their knee and scream like, like the Garnado do or anything. So they're just, they're not expressive and they, they really are in, in. I feel what they should have been, the main enemies outside of the Bakers, should have been basically Baker lights. Uh, similar to how in the opening sequence you're fighting uh, the girl who's. I, I don't want to be too spoilery here, but. You encounter someone who is switching between being infected and being not. And how they were when they were infected, I feel that should be regular enemies as well. They should be those people, because we know they've been kidnapping and turning people. Uh, So they should have been like the turned or something. And they're more like the enemies in Siren, uh, a.k.a. Forbidden Siren, where they are zombies, but they still have personality traits and they speak, but they are just like... You know, their brains have just been completely fried by whatever's in them. I feel like that would have been better and uh, scarier and more thematically on point. Because they don't feel like they belong there, the Molded. They don't feel like they belong in that game. They certainly feel like they belong in, like, Revelations 2 or whatever. But but that's outside of those complaints. They, beca- they, feel they kind like of become more of an annoyance, really, don't they? They do, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, 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 by the end of it, I was running past them whenever I could because yeah, they same. take up so many bullets and they're not fun <laughs> to fight. Um, yeah. But all the Baker stuff, I feel, is gold. And mm. the puzzles are, are cool. They're not too overbearing, but they're, they're, not, they're not straightforward pick-up-put-here things. Mm. Uh, the map design is incredible. Oh, one, the atmosphere's on point. One of the puzzles really stood out to me in, in one particular way, in, and it was... Um, 
it's quite an elaborate puzzle, but there's a completely optional thing you can do earlier in the game that if you've done it, you mm. can completely bypass half of the puzzle by being sneaky. And the Just game you know what to ag- do to win. And the yeah. game acknowledges that you've done this, and I think that, that was so cool. It was well done. And also, that whole sequence was also clearly inspired by Saw. And as yeah. a huge Saw fan as well, I was like, this is, this is wonderful fun. It was really cool. So I have a question yeah. for you both about Resident Evil 7. I don't know yeah. what platforms you both played on. Have PC. either of you played it in VR? Nah. I was gonna. Like, I've got the tools to do it. And, and <laughs> I was gonna set it up, but, you know, I've just got the new TV in. And I'm like, first of all, I didn't buy a 4K TV to wear a, a VR helmet on my fucking head. <laughs> Second of all, I'd have to set that up and the camera up again. And honestly, it, as much as I've heard it's good... And as tempted mm. as I am, and I may still check it out. It is interesting. Mm. I just can't be fucked yeah. right now. So, I, I don't. I don't think my heart and... could take it, to be honest. <laughs> I, I, and it looks so good in 4K yeah. as well. I I played about three hours of it in in VR just because I was curious. Being like, okay, this is probably the first console big AAA blockbuster that is playable entirely in VR. I was curious, and yeah, there there. I feel torn on it, so the positive will get the positive out of the way. Jump scares in that game work incredibly well in VR. Anytime when it's jump scares, the VR is a really good thing, and I would highly recommend trying it just to just to get the shit scared out of you a little bit with some jump scares. Yeah. Some of the Every- jump scares in the game do feel obviously built for VR. That was oh. another minor complaint I had, is one or two jump scares, it's like, this is so scriptedly obvious and in your mm. face, that it feels like a pantomime because oh. it's for the VR players. And that's the thing, is it might feel a bit ridiculous and pantomime outside of VR, but in VR it feels fucking scary, and that's good. No doubt, um, no doubt. The the rest of the... Every other aspect of this game is hindered by being in VR. So first of right. all, this game looks absolutely gorgeous, uh, particularly if, you, if you're on a 4K TV, it looks amazing. Oh, even on, yeah. just, a, even on, on just your standard HD TV, this mm. is a really gorgeous looking game. In 60 it, frames on console as mm, well, thank yeah. you. Uh, it has a stable frame rate in on PlayStation VR, but it takes a definite step down in visual quality. Everything's mm-hmm. a bit more jaggy, everything's a bit more oh. blurry, everything has a little less detail. Um it's a little weird when you just have your character's hands, disembodied hands with no arms floating in front of you. Uh. That somewhat breaks some of the illusion of being there. Um, the subtitles that appear kind of float in such a way in VR that they can like float through objects sometimes, and subtitles being in objects isn't great, and it's a bit of a weird distraction. The biggest problem, however, is the regularity with which it expects you to use the right analog stick to help yourself more quickly turn the camera. Um, uh. I am never a fan of combining head tilt and analog stick for, for turning. No, those things offs- tend yeah. to make me very sick. Yes, it did not take me long. Like, it was fine in slow exploratory areas where I was taking my time exploring, working out what was going on. If I was in a quick-paced combat scenario and the quickest way to to get turned around was to use the analog stick, it would very quickly induce motion sickness in me, so that's not great. So Yeah, that was my fear with it, and and, and you've basically just talked me out of even wanting to try it, because... I remember what Here They Lie did to me, and I'm not going through that again for any... Mm. Not My job's not worth it to I, feel I would like say, that. Go, do give it a try, 
but deliberately pick an area of the game. Like, if you've played through it once already, go through it a second time and find an area where you know, oh, for a while, it's just going to be exploring for a bit. Take your time. Uh Don't touch that right analog stick at all. And you will have some fun being like, oh, this is creepy and scary if a little lower res. So I'm glad this exists. I'm glad that we have like a full AAA blockbuster first person game playable in VR on a console. Yeah. And I'm also glad it's, 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 yeah, it did not lean into VR so heavily as to be shit for those not using it. It, The game was, Mm-hmm. Aside from those few little moments where the seams show and you can tell this was built, this little sequence was made just for the VR people. Um, aside from those little bumps, the game it feels great to play in you know in in regular type, whatever it's called out in real reality or whatever. Um, mm. And it just it does look so good on my TV, guys. You ma- you, yeah. you mentioned the pacing, Jim, and I it it was and that's something that's really important to me in, in games and it, it had mm. perfect pacing for the that's vast well, majority. I, I talk about that a lot in my reviews, is is pacing, direction, fluidity, how well does this game flow, how well is the structure of, of the story and, and 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 just, you know, the, the, the move from beginning to end of the game. Mm. And yeah, you're absolutely right. Like this is a game I I beat in two days, and I normally take a bit longer, especially these days where I just I, I do a lot more on my own work-wise. But I could not stop that one. Like I had the one break, I think. Mm. Um, I said about two breaks while playing it because they were just huge chunks of time where I had to play through because because it was like listening to a good story, and you didn't want it to stop before it got to the good part or because it was at the good part because the game's always leading up to something good it's like i've got to see where this leads and aside from the fact the ending's a bit rushed for the most part everything pays off well and it's just so worth sticking with it and playing through it in in a big chunk of uh, time and I, i i found as well that barring the um barring sequences where you walk into a room and hear the squirm of a a molded spawning there wasn't too much stuff in it that outstayed its welcome. Like mm, there mm. was a segment where you have to uh, relinquish all your gear for a while, and that was over nearly. It 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 just stayed just long enough to not start to annoy you. And I yes. found that well, with yeah, um, yeah. like also there was like an outlast ish sequence where you had no defenses at all, and I was like, oh man, if this goes on too long, it's going to become really irritating because I don't particularly like yeah. those kind of sequences where your only option is to hide. But then that was over pretty quick, and I was like... Oh, and and they follow that up with a sequence mm. that, because of the weapon you're given, is, is slightly more empowering than, yeah. than other sequences have been. Yeah. So it just shows just how... This this game was designed by people who really know their shit, which mm. is not what I got from Resi 6, which seemed... Seemed like desperate flailing from a company that I was, was just, clueless. And that, I was just going to say that, that the, that exact word flailing, because that's what the combat yeah. felt like in that game as well. Yeah, yeah. That, and, and this one, this is a game... And, and this was... I talked about this in October as well. Uh, my, I, I gave some brief thoughts as to why I thought Resi 7 would be good. Uh, and everything that the trailers and the promotion made it look like was happening happened it was yes this is a company that realized they they want to reinvent which they do they seem to do 
officially every three titles, because you have Resident Evil up till Nemesis, then Resi 4 changes the whole board, goes up to 6, then Resi 7 changes the whole board. They did that. Um, but I also felt like they were going to bring back the campiness, a bit of the silliness, and the exaggerated... Um, um, What's the word? Uh, almost, uh, it's almost tacky in its horror. There's this B movie charm to it, and yeah. they did that. Uh, they drawing this time from mid two thousands horrors, like the Texas Chainsaw remake and Saw, and, and that whole thing. Hostel, uh, a little bit torture porny, but not. But they don't really go in for the torture porn in this. But they take more of the just the grimy, grungy mm. atmospheres that the films have. There's some horrific fucking gore, but I mean, it's it's always over pretty quickly <laughs> it doesn't yes. linger on it like you say nothing outstays its welcome which yeah. is true of the baker family as well like every every member of the family gets their moment and yeah. it feels like it's just the right amount of time and every, with the exception of one who's whose refusal to fuck off actually becomes part of the charm of the game well that's a that's a, a tradition in the series isn't it the yes. boss that no yes. matter how many times you kill them they just won't fucking stay there the dead. guy who you by the time it's it's yeah. you're having and the ca- final confrontation with them you're like will you just in fact i think and ethan like the protagonist even says it at some point just like telling him to just like stay dead yeah and every and in in resident evil fashion as well every time the character does kill them they just walk off nonchalantly thinking oh yeah he's dead he won't be back <laughs> i do but, wish um, ethan would talk more I I love how how different every encounter with each um, baker is. Like you never yes. fight them twice in the same way. Like the first one, really in in the garage, which I won't spoil, is just fucking amazing. <laughs> was that just, was at the moment through that whole yeah. sequence. I was just my jaw was on the floor with how brilliant it was. Because that that's what it, when, when people use the word cinematic, mm-hmm. they normally mean pure like production value and aesthetic and everything. Yeah. Uh, but I really wish it meant like this scene feels like I am in the middle of some ludicrous sequence yeah. from a film. Because oh, yeah. that's what that bit that the garage scene, which you can see on my YouTube channel if you check out my impressions of Resi Seven, I go up yeah. to that point. It, it really, I, I was grinning. I was like, this that, is like some ludicrous horror film. That entire sequence is just glorious lunacy. I mean, you just, yeah. <laughs> it's completely, utterly insane in a good way. And again, it, it just helps with the, the antagonists they have. Just, mm. just whenever you're being chased by Jack and you're just hearing, Ethan! 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 <laughs> really, really good. Really good yeah. stuff. Yeah. So, it's, it's a good yeah. old game, that one. Um mm. I think I think like the only other thing I have to say is I was dubious going in of the idea of going back to a Resident Evil with more of a constrained small environment to explore rather than a big bigger sprawling area. I think they did a good job of it. They, they did. made it they a did. very very interesting environment to go through. I, so yeah, I, I'm fascinated I tend by to the see that space. as an asset in horror games. No, I, to be honest, yeah. that's oh, why yeah, I definitely. like I like the first Dead Space the best. Because of well, that. It's, it's not just horror games. There's a lot. Of, I've talked about this before. For me, what really makes a, a, a good game great is feeling familiar with the world. And that can be a big open mm. world, um, so long as it's full of enough memorable landmarks and places and people. Uh, it's, it's why I think The Witcher is so good. It's why I like Skyrim so much. Uh, it's why I'm not fond of a lot of open world games like, like Latter day Far Cry's, because the world feels so indistinct. Um, it's. It's why but I'm this... so concerned about the demo for Breath of the Wild at the moment is that like I get that it's a demo when they've said that they deliberately took stuff out to not spoil things, but 
that's currently just a big empty open world for no reason. So I'm like, I would far rather have something like this where it is just here is a small space where there is stuff to do everywhere. Mm. Yes, yes. I, I made a, a, a video of, uh, quite a while back called We Need More Spencer Mansions, which mm. was talking about this, a, a place that you can become intimately familiar with. And a good way of doing that is having a small environment but making such good, effective use of that space. Mm. Like, And that's something Resident Evil used to excel at. That Back when backtracking didn't automatically mean something bad mm. because... Because it was just well designed, they'd make enough shortcuts. They throw in a, some new surprises in areas that you've been to, and that's what they're returning to with this. And, and I they love do because... they do the from thing as well, where the shortcuts lead back to the uh, the shortcut. You, you find a new shortcut that leads you back to your safe point that you were already just exactly in. where you need to be. Yes, yes. Mm. yes. And it it felt a, a lot more like something like the uh, the the first Dark Souls where. Even if there probably is some impossible space going on, it always feels like you followed the rules of practical space when yeah. you lead yourself back around to that central point. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It so makes long as the sense. illusion holds up, yeah. I don't care if it's an illusion or not. But... You you can navigate your way around that area and feel like it makes complete sense as to why you are where you are. Yes, yes. There's some play some games you play and it just feels like you're in some weird alternate reality, but but this one uh, and, and you know the original reses and, and and the Souls games, of course, they they do it really well. And I'm just I'm so thrilled to see that that amount of care and attention in level design, which again was lacking in in a lot of the the more recent Resident Evil games. Mm. So it's a great game. I think we're all in agreement. Yeah, yeah no, it's, it's, it's really good. It's a great way like, to start the year. Yeah, yeah, obviously, it's it's been pretty pretty. Good for me so far. I mean, I've only reviewed two games this year, uh, but both Yakuza Zero and Resident Evil Seven, fantastically strong <laughs> showings from two companies that haven't been setting my personal world on fire very much lately. Uh, for both Capcom and Sega to come out strong in January, I, I like that. Yeah, I'll, I, I'll I will let you know next week what I think of Yakuza because it's on the, my on my PS4, but Resi uh, Resi Seven I, was just too addicting. Yeah, <laughs> I uh, since last week I've downloaded Yakuza as well, and I'm like, right, let's give this a go and um, see how it is. So I've I've not jumped into it yet, think. but it's ready to go. Um, give it a yeah. while, give it a bit to really pick up. Yakuza. Okay, I'll I'll set myself a day where I'm going to sit down and play three or four hours of it and just sort of really sink my teeth in a bit. Mm -hmm. So. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't know if I would quite agree with Gavin about it being... What what did you say? That it was your second favourite Resident Evil overall for yeah. 7? I don't know I'd go if I'd go that far, but it's definitely one of the better Resident Evils, prob probably the best in the last decade. Because mm. when, when was Resident Evil 4? Uh, fuck. That's yeah. gonna be. That's gonna be. I think was it. Yeah, that's gonna be over Something a decade ago there. now. So I'd say this is this is easily the best that Resident Evil has been in the last decade. Yeah, yeah, I, so. I don't disagree. Um, that that's that's been my cut off too. Is is best most fun since four. Uh, I don't know whether I'd say better or not, but definitely most it's, fun it's, since. It's very different to four. I don't yes. feel like I can directly compare them because they are such different focuses no, no. on that, if, that formula but really everything about resident evil 7 brings such stronger comparisons to the first three games 
Yes. It, it really does play out like those games, but from a different perspective and with some modern horror trappings thrown in. You know, clearly Alien Isolation, Outlast, Amnesia, those sorts of games. Mm-hmm. But structurally, this is such a classic PlayStation 1, PSX era Resident Evil game, I feel. The yeah. reason the reason I say it's, it would be my second favourite is because it has that claustrophobic um, smaller space of the first ones but as a more modern title it's just mechanically much more playable for me yeah I get you I, I, get I you. think if, if you were only playing them today and if, if I could detach all experience well, of playing well, those original that, that, Resident Evils but, when I did yeah but that's coming I from someone who played the original when it came out by the way I still yeah no no the, I'm the new one yeah, I, I I wasn't trying to argue that that wasn't the case. I think, for me, I can't detach myself from what those were at the time yeah. versus where they are now, but I will definitely say, if I was going to go back and replay a Resident Evil right now, 7 is the one that I have the biggest urge to go back and play again. Mm. So, you know, it's it's a damn good game. Uh, I think the only other per- person on the podcast who's played a different game this week is Jim. You played something called Life of Black Tiger, and I have no idea what this is. <laughs> Yes, 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 <laughs> is, yes. Was it a good did, game? Did you Jim? play it or did Sony play you? That is the That's, question. Well, they got 10 bucks of my fucking money uh, for a free Android game. Life of Black, I don't even know. Was Sony high? Can I be that high? I tr- I've tried. I, I, want, I want to try and get as high as I think Sony was before writing my review and see what kind of garbled mess I come up with on the page. Because... I don't know how anyone sober and right-minded looked at that and thought, not only are we going to go greenlight this for the PlayStation Store, we're going to get the official PlayStation YouTube account to host the trailer for it. Everyone thinks it's a joke. I don't think it is. I think Sony is just looking at the way Steam does things and are thinking, there's no downside to this for us. Let's go for it. Uh, because this isn't the only thing that's come up on their store lately. I'm playing another one now, and I will have a video of that coming up in the near future. They are as bad, if not worse, than slash as the shit I play on Impressions from Steam's store page. Life of Black Tiger is a series of levels. It's a Unity, and I'm fairly certain it's an asset flip that they bought these, these animals. Um, you... Walk in a big empty map and hold down the circle button to just repeatedly go row, row, row to attack things, and that's the game forever. That's the game forever. And this you... is on the PS4. It's on the PS4. I bought a 4K TV. This is one of the first games I played since getting the 4K TV. Did it, it... advertise fancy 4K graphics or something? No, no. It looks exactly like the mobile game it is. Mm. Um, oh, yeah. The, an- exactly the animations like look, like, look like an awkward Oblivion mod. Yes, yes. They're very stunted. The the actual the, 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 the playable tiger... Or you can play other animals in the multiplayer, which every time I've looked, I'm the only one on the server. Um, There are no transitory animations uh, between various states of being. And that's whether the animal is going from stood still to attacking or looking from left to right. Uh, They they move on like an eight-point... What's the word? Eight-point compass is how Mm. the tiger moves. But there's no animation to smoothly go from, you know, looking north 
to, say, looking northeast. <clears throat> so if you're moving forwards using the analog stick, the game often gets confused and just switches between the two, between the tiger looking north and northeast. So it's just having this this spasm at, at such a speed it looks like there are two tigers flickering in and out of existence. Um, that's just the first part of it. One level was, oh, the boss of the wolves is coming. Survive for three minutes. And you are running around in a circle for three minutes. <laughs> with them slowly chasing you from behind. Um, the localization is terrible. Let me just look up the one I saved. I've got it on my Facebook because I uploaded it there. Um, let me just read this out for you. This is one of the mission reminders. Where are we? Photos. Sorry, I should have prepped this up ahead of time. I knew we were talking about this, and I didn't. Um, I'll leave the racist one for the moment. Uh, so this is the level of... This is the level where you first fight wolves. Some of the animals fight back. Not all of them do. Sometimes you do just literally go after a sheep and hold the circle button until the sheep's dead. But this is the level fight with wolves. And this is the mission. And I'm reading this verbatim. This is the mission. It's full of smell with blood of wolves today. And the smell is stronger than a few days ago. I can't bear with it. Let's kill every wolves found <laughs> that's that for a mission huh? that's oh, that's yeah. all your base are belong to us level uh, bad oh yeah yeah all all of the text is like that and of course it's all text there's no sound effect um i i w- i first played this with my jaw hanging open i could not believe that a this cost 10 dollars b this was on a ps4 and c sony itself was was hosting the trailer for it. Why um, they? Oh god. It was on their oh. YouTube channel. That's why people know this game exists and why people think Sony's trolling. Uh, they put this up at the same time as Nintendo Switch presentation, ah. this trailer. <laughs> like this was their fucking answer to it. Um the game is sort of funny bad. It's funny bad to look at. When you play it, you're like, I can't believe this is happening. Uh, because it's it's mechanically so awful. Uh, and then it just gets really uncomfortable when you get to the bit where the tiger meets a lady tiger and there's several levels with her and then has a baby. And the baby is not a black tiger like the black tiger. Oh. And the the text that comes up is this. The female tiger finally gave birth to a baby. It's good to find the baby is not a black one like me. <laughs> oh. That's awkward. Oh. 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 Wow. PlayStation. Is there a reason that the the tiger is a black tiger? Like is that is Um the the text is so incomprehensible. It's hard to work out. There is mention at the beginning that the tiger was possibly uh, like, like abandoned, maybe by parents. We're not too sure. It was just abandoned. And I guess we're supposed to infer from that that because it was born with, uh, you know, some pigmentation in its fur that was unlike the other tigers. So, you know, it was a rare black tiger. It was ostracized for this. And that might be why it's relieved to find its own baby is an orange tiger. Oh, but... so is this basically the ugly duckling, but but the swan gives birth to a duckling and is very glad that its baby is not another yeah. swan? Yeah, it's, it's, it's an ugly duckling. If the duck was, was still an ugly duckling, uh, an ugly duckling as an adult and carried with it internalized racism <laughs> uh, it's it's I, I 
like again, video is on my YouTube channel if you want to check it out. Life of Black Tiger. Uh, Kotaku ended up using my video. Like, like this is making stories uh, because people are looking at it and thinking, "What the shit is this? What in the dump truck of tacos is this?" It its existence confuses me. I have reached out to Sony for comment. No one's saying anything. I I might go above Sony PR's head, and I know they don't like it when I do that, but I may have to speak to Yasp, because I want to know what the shit. I want to know why Life of Black Tiger's there, and I want to know why some of these other ones I've been seeing are on there, because I'm going to go through all of them, and I'm going to work out... I'm going to get to the bottom of this story. This is, this is the, the hottest case in the video game industry right now. The Life of Black Tiger scandal. I want to know what it is. I want to know why this is happening. I want to know why a free Android game is $10 on the PS4. I want to know why it's there. I want to know why Sony's complicit in promoting it. It's good to find the baby's not a black one. And just to, just before people get angry in the comments, we are aware that it more than likely isn't trying to be racist, and that's no, not what no, we're no, saying. Just, we're it's, just saying it's, it's just an, a funny and awkward thing that that's what it sounds just, like. Like it's bad translation, but I don't know how in any translation you look at that sentence and think this won't come off the wrong way. <laughs> no, like it's, it's not. Again, it's, it's they were just trying to tell the Rockley Duckling story. They weren't trying to be racist yeah, accidentally. It's just the disbelief on my part. It's the disbelief at the sheer tone deafness of it. It's so... You've got to be so stupid. You've got to be so stupid to think that that will be fine and go unnoticed. Because I fucking noticed it. And now everyone knows it. (laughs) So, other than stuff we've played this week, we had a couple of little bits of news this week. Uh, One of them, I'm very curious what Jim's going to make of, because it's about one of them franchises you like. Mm. You You know them Warriors games? Big fan in the old Warriors games. Yeah, we're getting a new Warriors game. I think this was new since last week. I don't think we talked about this last week. There's going to be Fire Emblem Warriors. Yes, that was known. We didn't talk about it, though. Um, was that known? I I clearly actually, didn't did see... did we talk about it? I don't know if we talked about it, because I think it happened either like as we were recording or just before, but I'd missed it because I was doing my whole take a week off the internet thing. Yeah. So, yeah, how are you feeling about this Fire Emblem Warriors? Uh, I'll keep it brief, uh, just in case we did talk about it, but I'm glad uh, the Warriors series is doing more crossovers and specifically mm-hmm. more Nintendo crossovers uh, would prefer to see a Zelda one or or the Pokemon one they keep promise well they, they, don't, they don't promise it the, the Pokemon one they wanted to do but Nintendo said no because uh, they're very protective of their their product and their their IP Fire Emblem I'm not too familiar with as a series so I'm not that excited about it I am glad it exists but it's probably not one I'm going to rush out to play but I am very glad um, Koei and Omega Force and Nintendo are still collaborating, and I hope that yeah. leads to more ones. I I don't care about the the cast of Fire Emblem nearly as much as I do about the cast of of, of Zelda, yes. but I will happily take another Nintendo 
Dynasty Warriors crossover and yeah. Did I say I, am, I hope they'll do a Zelda one earlier? I think you said think you hoped they would do a Zelda one. I mean, I assumed you meant another Zelda one. Yeah. We did talk about this because because we talked about it last week, and I mentioned the the Ganondorf Jimquisition reference. Oh, you did. I'm we sorry. Did. I clearly I just don't fucking it's remember fine, no. what we do on this show. I am. I couldn't asleep. remember it, and I I said these words yes uh, last week. So anyway, uh. um. Long story short, still still the same thing I thought last week. <laughs> well, fair enough then. We do have one bit of news that I know we didn't talk about last week. Um, so you know how Guillermo del Toro was going to be like producer or some kind of role on Silent Hills? Yes. And then that got cancelled. Mm-hmm. And then he pops up in the trailer for Death Stranding and sure everyone's yeah, yeah. just assuming, oh... Kojima is basically just bringing over all the people that were going to work on Silent Hills and bringing them over to Death Stranding to do the same jobs that they were doing on Death Strand uh, on Silent Hills over on Death Stranding. We found out this week that's not the case. Guillermo del Toro is a character who appears in Death Stranding. He is not creatively involved in the game in any way. Yeah, I will. I will follow that up with, or so they say. Now, it may be true, Mm. but honestly, at this point, Hideo Kojima's way of marketing games is known by another word, another term Uh, that that I like to use. Uh, Yeah, lying. (laughs) (laughs) Like, Kojima... Hey, hey, it's alternative facts, Jim. Alternative facts, yeah. Kojima basically lies. Like, that's how he he makes his surprises. He doesn't basically lie. He totally lies. He said that he was a man named Joachim, who ran some kind of other studio and had bandages on his face. And half the time it's so obvious because the lies are so convoluted. That sounds like an alternative fact to me. Yeah, I think that's It's like when he was like, oh, Metal Gear Solid 4 is going to be a first-person shooter. Oh, are you stupid bastards for believing me? This is no FPS, this is MGS. None of us believed you, Kojima. You, you're a yeah. liar. So, like, like y- it's different from like, like Molyneux or something because you do make really, really good games, and the, I guess it's okay because you're lying about something bad to make something good happen. But it's still just like it's not clever. It's not a clever way of pulling the wool over our eyes and surprising us. You just do the opposite of what you say you're gonna do, which is like lying. It's lying. Yeah. So it's I don't a, believe them. Like, it may I, very well be true. And if it's true or not, you know, I, I wouldn't be that giddy either way. But I, I never believe anything they say about anything ever. Well, I believe it because it's not being said by Kojima. It was Del Toro who said it. He so I'm could like, have picked uh, up Kojima's lies. He, he could have done. But, like, equally, they they didn't hide the fact that Del Toro was working on Silent Hills. But we've not seen, like, we didn't see Del Toro's name anywhere in, like, the big list of executive producers and whatnot. That's true. On on either of the trailers we saw. I'm willing to believe that this is the case. And I don't know what to make of that. Because when I saw him in the trailer, I assumed he's back, he's working creatively with Kojima again, because, you know... It felt like an unspoken announcement. It felt like they were announcing something by revealing that was Del Toro. Yeah, it felt like the whole, like, oh, yeah, Del Toro said he wasn't going to work on any games after Silent Hills unless it could be with Kojima. He's in the trailer of Kojima's game. He's probably creatively working with Kojima, much like he was before, and they're going to give it yeah. another try. I 
I've, there's a little bit of me that's disappointed because I was excited about the the idea of seeing those two creatively I, work. On it would have been together, a nice fuck you to Konami as well. Like fuck you, Konami, that, kiss my Pacific Rim. I will say though that this this is a fertile bed for a Kojima lie because everyone was excited for a thing. And his MO is find out what they're excited for, lie about it not happening, and then say it's happening. So that the thing that was really obvious pretends it wasn't obvious because I lied and said it wasn't happening. Alternative words and deeds. Yeah, alternative words and deeds with alternative shame. Now, it could be true. It's possible that Kojima's lied to Del Toro and told him that he won't have any <laughs> any creative input on the game, and he's, he's going secretly to turn around a to producer him. and he doesn't know. Exactly, he's like, "Oh yeah, I'm I'm not going to listen to any of your creative ideas on this game." Oh, by the way, I just want to have a chat, friendly chit chat, just as friends, you know. What are you thinking of that direction I'm going? What about this? What about that? Aha, you are producer now. But. And you got Del Toro. He's like, like you realize to be executive producer, I had to bankroll someone. You realize you've committed fraud, Kojima. <laughs> and he just looks at him and, go, and throws like a deck of cards in his face and just goes, Kojima. Uh, yeah, but I do need my credit card details back, Hideo. Kojima. You've co- no, you've stolen my identity. Kojima. You bought dildos on Amazon, Kojima. Kojima. Stop saying Kojima. Right? And fix my shit. I had LifeLock on, Hideo. How have you done this? I trusted you. Kojima. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, That's how I like to imagine they live their lives. I, in, in, I, in, the, in the rented bedsit they both live in, in my mind. Yeah, the, I, I do like the fact that the thought that they're living together just because it also potentially means that like maybe Del Toro himself assumed he would be working creatively on this project it's like oh oh uh del toro do you want to come work on death stranding with me it's like oh yeah i have so many ideas for the game no i I just want to use your face for a character and then they have to awkwardly walk back to their one bedroom flat together while del toro just quietly like looks at kojima being like you got my hopes up I now have to live with you for the next three years on our three-year lease. And he starts while I quietly in... have all these ideas and you won't let me tell you them. He starts putting post-it notes on the milk that he buys. Like he starts getting like real passive aggressive, and bedtime sucks because it is one bedroom and they sleep they sleep tops and toes. Uh, they sleep end on end. And I, I like to imagine uh, Del Toro's got um, holes in his socks. And he's and a bit like adorably so. So he's got like little toes poking out, uh, and and Hideo just lies there awake at night thinking of the post-its on the milk, staring at those toes angrily. Oh, in in my mind, he's taken the passive aggressiveness a step beyond that. He's not only putting the post-it notes on the milk. He said they're sleeping top and toes, you know, oh, yeah. head at one end, feet at the the other person's feet at that end. Yep. In my mind, he's worn the same pair of socks for about six weeks now. Oh. He's getting his feet really whiffy. Because he knows Kojima is too polite to say anything, and he knows he can get his quiet punishment because they're top and toes. Well, he's method Kojima acting. Has... He's method exactly. acting because he has to walk through all that stinky-looking sludge in the game. And life's hard enough for it for him mm. as it is. Those students moved in the flat above, and they're loud. They stamp their feet. They play music. It's tough. I feel I, I feel bad for both of them because yeah, I mean Kojima like fucked him over by saying he was going to be executive producer and then he just used a, a facial capture without permission and 
I don't think that warrants quite the level of, of treatment uh, Del Toro's bringing to the domestic situation. Uh, yeah, okay, you buy the toilet paper and the milk, and it can be a bit of a dick move to put the post-its on, but that's that punishment fits the crime. The sock thing, over the line. Over the line. I honestly think he's trying to get Kojima to move so he can invite one of the students in from upstairs. And he's like, if, if Mads Mikkelsen is going to keep sleeping on the couch, can he at least start paying some rent? Right, right. Like, he doesn't ask for much. Just a little bit of upkeep. At, at the very least, pay for what you're using. Yeah. Pay like, for do, what you're do using a because... sexy Geralt calendar or something. That, that's a way that Mads yeah. Mikkelsen can earn yeah. some cash. Take... Del Toro has started marking the hair, like the, the, the shampoo and the hair conditioner because he knows it goes. He knows yeah. it goes. I hear them arguing across the way. I'm in the flat across the way. I sometimes bring their mail up. Yeah. Why? Why do, you should maybe not bring their mail up next time and open it and see if there's any secrets about Death Stranding, perhaps. Yeah. I should, you know. but it's the it's the Queen's mail. It's 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 treason until it's in their hands. Exactly. Corporate espionage nah, is not stealer. okay because it's stealer. against it's against the, and the if, Queen's. If Mickelson has anything to say about it, just go. Hey, bro, you mads. You mad, bro? Because uh, uh, it's his oh. first name. Oh, 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 Gavin, you witty, witty fellow. Yeah. Um, anyway, that <laughs> that was part one of, of a new series I'm doing called Del Toro's Angry Bedtime. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. So do we want to do a few questions for a little bit? Because <laughs> yeah, we, got, we got some questions and shit this week. Hmm. Uh, no, we're not done those in a while. Uh, right. Uh, Michael Podolsky wants to ask... What single project has have each of you spent the most amount of time working on in your career? How did you feel about it when it was finally finished? And what's your opinion of it compared to its critical reception? Basically, talk about that thing that took you for fucking ever to get to finish doing. Well, I spent like almost a year making an album with a record label which ended up sitting on a hard drive, so... Yeah. <laughs> Needless to say, I don't feel very kindly about that. <laughs> That's fair. What about you, Jim? What's the thing you've spent the most time uh, working on? I guess. I I guess it would be Jim Saw. I guess the 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 Halloween uh, quasi short film thing we shot for Halloween last year. Um, certainly, the the most amount of work went into that with prop acquisition and, and scouting for the, the place to film and and everything. Plus, not just my work hours, but the work hours of Justin McDaniel and, and Patrick Jerome, who was in it, and, and uh, Amanda and James who were helping out. Like, like, a lot went into that. So, so that would probably be the longest and most extensive thing I've done, at least until a certain... A certain date's passed, and I can talk about some other things. Uh, and I'm I'm still pleased with it. I'm I'm excited about what that meant we could do, and mm. and it it expanded the scope of one's ambition. Uh, there are things I would love to go back and change, like like maybe actually do a script rather than have us improv the whole thing. Uh, it it would have just been way better. But in terms of seeing what editing can do and seeing what we're capable of out here in the boonies, I'm, I'm, I'm still really proud of it. And the fact I, I did something that was typically not... People like goofs on the Jimquisition, but not extended ones, and this one really was... The, the goof to traditional episode structure ratio was reversed, and I expected it to be a lot more disliked than it was, but... 
But the response was so positive, and, and that was wonderful to see. And awesome. Laura, how about yourself? Uh, myself, the longest thing I've I've ever worked on is something that hasn't yet been published, and I hope will eventually see the light of day this year. I can't Ooh. talk about who it's with, but I did a very extensive interview with a pair of game developers about some of their previous work, how that led into like how they how they got into making this particular piece of work, where they went from there and the next project they're working on that hasn't yet been announced, and the sort of path line through there, how audience reception affected the decisions they made about where to go after their, that mm-hmm. the, the project they worked on. It ended up being like a... The, the interview transcript alone, I think, was about 8,500 words. And then I basically spent a long, long time putting that together in terms of a... Here is a feature using quotes that pulls together this whole story, trying to work out whether to do it as one big lengthy piece or split it into four or five, like, this section of the timeline, this section of the timeline. It's finished, and I can't do anything with it until the game that it talks about toward the end is announced. I'm really happy with how it turned out as a piece of work, I really hope it's as well received as it's received as well as as I feel about it because I'm really damn proud of what I pulled together and it it has been countless hours putting it together but it's just something that sat on my desktop that I can't actually do anything with yet right. so uh, hopefully this will be the year that I can show off my my big old piece of work that I spent <sighs> like I spent a good week or two just working on this one piece of written content. Cool. Fingers crossed, because kind of interviews, interviews are hell to put together anyway. Mm. I hate doing them. Uh, I hate even just doing email ones, let alone stuff that's over the phone or, or over voice chat or in person even, mm. and, and requires transcription or, or you know other narrative elements that, that people add. Ugh. So That's yeah, funny, because you guys are coming off. from completely the different angle from me with that one. Because whenever I do interviews, it's being interviewed. And there's certain kinds <laughs> of interviews that I can't stand. And there's certain ones that I really like. Like, I hate I, when they ask you, what are your influences? Or oh, by yeah. far the worst question. So describe to, us, describe to us what it is you do. Like, isn't that your well, fucking job, Mr. Journalist? Yeah. <laughs> it's, here's the thing. Like, I've been the person who's asked those questions in interviews. Sometimes it is just the people who've commissioned you to do the interview are like, we want... <clears throat> the person you're interviewing to talk about themselves so that we can publish it so that someone mm. who's new and has no idea who they are gets a feel for who that person is from the creator themselves mm. and we get the creator talking about themselves. It's, Sometimes that's just the brief you're given and you know it's stupid questions that are telling no one anything that they couldn't mm. just Google. Sometimes you end up doing it. Yeah, exactly. It's stuff that they can Google. I, I will say, though, for young journalists... Musicians, and I think like any creator, love it when you ask them questions that shows you've done your research and you know, you are somewhat knowledgeable about their work and you're able to ask them questions that are more uh, wondering about their opinions on how it all works and things rather than yeah. describe what you do, what are your influences. Yeah, definitely like trying to get opinions uh, and or, or, uh, subjects they can go into based on, you know, the knowledge base they've displayed in their work. Mm. It's always going to produce more more interesting results than just asking them to describe yourself, describe your influences. Mm. What made you want to play music? 
Yeah. Really? <laughs> that? <laughs> Have you got uh, like hours? So um, yeah, is qu- that very it, qu- very uh, quickly though? Well, um, if 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 you want to hear the miracle of sound songs, it took by far the longest. That were Sovereign Guard song twenty sixteen, and Fires Fade. Those two, you can listen to those because they took me forever to make. So. And how how do you feel about them both? Uh, I've I've made peace with them. Put it that way. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, do we want to do one more question, or should we wrap it up here? Because we're at about an hour. Yeah, oh, let's let's I'll throw do one more one. on. Because yeah. people, people, people have been missing yeah. the the questions lately. Yeah, we we got some good ones. So we'll do we'll do this one from Kurt Christel. Uh, what is the best game you've ever played that you have a hard time recommending to other people, either due to difficulty or controls or some other prohibitive element? Mm, best one, because there's ones I could say that I've liked but wouldn't easily I, recommend. But well, best, the, the, mm. the, the From games really cover that, don't they? I mean. They're they're quite esoteric in in so many ways. I mean, maybe, but but I also have no trouble at least saying if you like X, then definitely check this out. Yeah. If you like certain games that do this kind of thing. Yeah. But this question, I imagine, is more for like stuff that like it would almost be controversial to recommend because it does have you know real overbearing problems with mm. it, as opposed to mm. like being a taste issue, but. God, I know there are some Look, I could name. Like I well, could name Blood Rain as one, but I wouldn't say that's the best game I've ever played. I know the the the, the one that always comes With to that. mind for me, and it's my favorite game that I find hard to recommend is uh, No More Heroes, because No More Heroes is I love it, and narratively and thematically it's fantastic. But there is an awful lot of this is an em- a completely empty, unnecessary open world with yeah. grinding, unenjoyable mini games in order to get to the good content. And it's just a padded out thing that could have been a one third the size experience and I would have enjoyed just as much. I got one. It's, it's a Wii game as well. Uh, it's a game called Fragile Dreams Farewell Ruins of the Moon. It's got 67% on Metacritic, and it deserves 67% on Metacritic. I think I gave it about a six. Uh, not a high scorer, but it had such a such a quality to it. There was this unique quality to it, this, this, this sense of introspection and this odd form of storytelling that I found absolutely arresting. And I acknowledge it is not a particularly fun game to play a lot of it's just wandering around the these you know it was the way these these not great looking environments mm-hmm. uh, but the interactions with the characters and this com- constant sadness to the whole thing um uh, the first level um you know level to to use a, a that sort of terminology for it uh, has you and a, a, a i forget now because I, I played it when it first came out and haven't played it since so it's 2009 is the last time i played this so i'm going purely off memory um it was either uh, an artificial intelligence in a machine or just a voice on a radio and she's accompanying you throughout the whole first section of the game and something happens. Either she finds out she's an AI or, or she is close to death or something. And she just talks about how afraid she is. And and it was incredible. It was it was an incredible moment. And the game's got lots of these genuinely melancholic moments in them. But if anyone said that game was fucking shit, I wouldn't blame them. <laughs> That's mm. I've got another that, one that, as that well, actually. Oh yeah. Last Guardian. 
I um, I bought my brother a PS4 for Christmas, and that was the game I gave him. And I just had to say to him, this is going to drive you crazy at points, but stick it through, it's worth it. <laughs> it, it that is a, an amazing, terrible game. Mm-hmm. Yes. And actually uh, the Mass Effect series as well, because I, 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 I always tell people how much I love it, but then mm-hmm. I, if they're like, should I play it? I'm like, well, just be warned, it's going to smash all your dreams mm-hmm. at the end. But yeah, Mass, you should Mass still Eff- probably play Mass it. Effect, Mass Effect 1 is actually a really good example of amazing great game that i struggle to recommend people play yeah Yeah, i hated it i hated the first mass effect um and i I know i I need to play two and three because i hear they're they're much better and i'm 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 i get bioware games more now than i did then i wasn't that keen on them at all uh oh it's night and day the difference between mass effect one and two is just Well, you, mm. you you can aim properly in Mass Effect too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that'd be nice. Yeah. Uh, okay, well, I think that about does it for us this week. I think that's uh, Pod Position One One Five in the bag. Hmm. Uh, all that remains is for Laura first to tell us how we can find out more of your lovely work. Me, you can find me pretty much everywhere at Laura K Buzz. Uh, Laura K Buzz on Twitter. Laura K Buzz on Patreon. That's what pays the bills. Laura K Buzz on YouTube, where I've been playing a bunch of Switch games, and you can see some some nice footage of that over there. Otherwise, let's play video games. It's where I post a bunch of bullshit, like shit posting content that I think is funny. So go read some of that. Well worth it. And Gavin, you're kind of a pop star, aren't you? How can we find out all about that stuff? Miracle of Sound on YouTube, Miracle of Sound on Twitter. And you can find all my lovely music on iTunes, Bandcamp, Spotify and all those good places. And do buy my album to keep me in a job. Excellent. As for me, you know my deal. Uh, we've got a Resident Evil 7 review up on thegymquisition.com right now, and fingers crossed we'll have a Life of Black Tiger review up, uh, because I, I, I can't stop talking about that one. Uh, also check out the videos for both those games on the Jim Sterling YouTube channel, and thanks as always for continuing to support me via Patreon. Uh, last month was a uh, record in, in terms of, of people... Um, a... Uh, supporting the show and B sticking around so thumbs up from me to you Uh, and otherwise thank you for listening and we will see you next time goodbye bye bye